The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 17. Episode 43. This is Writing Excuses. Bodies. Why? Depicting disability. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not very smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Howard. I'm late. <laughs> I'm Chelsea. And on time. I'm Fran. And I'm Will. Awesome. Um, so today we're going to be talking about depicting disability. Uh, Fran, why don't you orient us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about this week? Sure. Um, if you were with us last week, we were talking about um, writing disability for all different kinds of genres and different age groups. And Will brought into the mix um, some really important aspects of writing disability, which is um, not to be pejorative, not to talk down to your audience, not to talk uh, inaccurately about representation. Um, so we're going to be diving into that a little bit more so that you can start to think about what the pros and cons are of disability representation in fiction, um, whether you're writing from your own experience, which is important, and we want to support and encourage that, or if you are looking to deepen your narratives and make sure that you have more um, good quality representation on the page. So why don't we start off by talking about um, some of the pitfalls, and then we'll get into the nuts and bolts of how to avoid those pitfalls, um, but let's let's start off by by warning of the dangers. Um, how are some ways that depicting disability can go horribly, horribly wrong? Character is represented solely by their mobility device, and no other way. Character is trapped in and or confined to their mobility device, and um, no other way. And this goes for other types of disability as well. But that one is one that always jumps out at me. Yeah. Will? Sacrificial characters. Mm. Characters, um, you know, sympathetically martyred. 
for for the journey of an able-bodied protagonist. Um, yeah, it happened. It happened like eight times in Star Wars Rogue One, which I very <laughs> much enjoyed, but just. Over and over and over again, somebody with some sort of injury or robotic prosthesis would um, die horribly as a direct result of their immobility so that our protagonist can feel things. Yes. The trope, the, the, the classic trope is the, the stroller in front of the runaway bus where the, the, the baby stroller only exists to depict the inability of the baby to get out of the way of the bus. It's not about, it's, it's just there to create, to create tension, to create drama. It's not, uh, and it's, yeah. it's a trope. We see it way too often. Character yeah. without agency trapped in front of bus. Let's rephrase yes. that a little bit. Yeah. Um, representations of disabled characters as either evil or a burden are also um, ones that jump out. Richard III. Um, I'm thinking of Dr. Poison in Wonder Woman, um, which has been written extensively about by um, writers, including John Wiswell and Elsa Shunison and um, really, really worth paying attention to. And we'll get back to that with uh, body horror in a couple of weeks. Um, the, uh, the, the character who spends all of their time trying to get rid of their disability and exists for no other reason than to provide the protagonist with inspiration for how much they are overcoming. Can so, I bring up the yeah. disability superpower thing? Oh, oh just, yes, please do it. do it. The the okay, okay, the thing where a person usually their disability is about not being able to sense a certain thing, being like a, an acute super sensor in a different kind of way. Um, I'm thinking of Hawkeye, and I'm thinking of Daredevil. <laughs> oh my gosh, Daredevil! Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um. yeah. <laughs> that was a very daredevilish character in Rogue One, too. I mean, if you yes, can, I like some. Yes, now I we do. all I are sort them. of making an oh my gosh gesture and our hands are our heads. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it, um, uh, I'm curious. Chelsea, you just said, you just said, I like them. I want to know what I want. I want to say more about that like. The like well, that combines I mean, the with the cringe. Is, is that, you know, when you're talking about Daredevil, when you're talking about Hawkeye, one of the things that specifically when I'm thinking about Hawkeye is that Clint Barton is really good at what he does and he is a superhero and he is deaf. And yeah, okay, that's great. You know what? Because why wouldn't you be? Why couldn't you be a superhero with a disability? Like, let's do that. That sounds awesome. But like, I kind of feel like as, particularly with blindness, this whole idea is like they can't see, so they hear super well or they smell super well or all of their senses are completely hyped up and it makes them superhuman, which makes them inhuman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas I felt like with Hawkeye, at least in the 
the the the latest series, it was he's deaf, and yeah, it has no impact on his superheroing. He just is deaf, and the the most is um, like he takes the hearing aid out when he's tired of someone talking. <laughs> It's a real bonus. I got to tell you that. One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also right. that he was kind of crap at ASL. Yeah, yeah, because you know, an adult acquirer. Um, so let's go ahead and pause for the uh, for the book of the week, and then after we come back, we're going to talk about um, how to do some good representation. Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Uh, so, Will, I think you've got our book. Yes. Um, this book is a realist middle-grade novel um, recently published, Air by Monica Rowe. Um, it is fantastic. I loved it. It's about a kid with a wheelchair who is saving up for a stunt wheelchair um, in a community um, of well-meaning uh, 
and, and that includes a lot of well-meaning adults who have no idea that stunt wheelchair exists and think it's a terrible idea. Um, but she builds a ramp in her backyard. Um, and what, what brings her tremendous joy is catching air on that ramp. And that flies in the face of, um, how disability and the use of a wheelchair is constructed around her. Um, and which is endlessly frustrating. Um, <laughs> but of, of course it, it's, it just beautifully scratches all of the, um, misunderstood kid of tremendous talent that no one recognizes and that everyone is trying to thwart with very good intentions. Um, so there is, there is overcoming in it. There is protagonist overcoming difficulty, but the difficulty is not that she uses a chair. That's just fact. Um, the difficulty is what that chair means to everyone around her versus what it means for her. So, so the construction of meaning and a mobility device as symbol or not, as harmful symbol or not. I really, really loved it. Um, Monica's also a former student, um, graduated from Vermont College of Fine Arts, where I teach and where Fran also teaches. So that is Air by Monica Rowe. Uh, it sounds amazing. Um, so, And it also sounds like it is a great example uh, from what you were saying about how to do depict disability well because as you say the chair is just fact and it's it's everything around her that is is the problem so let's let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of how do you how do you de- how do you depict disability well so for me one of the things that i've found is uh, is very much along the lines of what will is talking about is that it's in the it begins in the story construction that that your your basic story premise plot structure is not about the disability it's not about overcoming it necessarily but it is about there is a person who has a disability and they're they're adventuring the same way everyone else adventures i was kind of thinking about that positive depiction of disability and mostly mostly what i want um mostly what i want particularly as a person who is out of hearing is that i don't want i don't want to be a brave little toaster about it i just i want a story in which like i get to read a character who is hard of hearing um and that it's just part of who they are and like it might be that um, they want to like basically run any part of their life where they have to um, hear or do substitutions for hearing the way they want to do it. And it works. Um, I'm writing a story in which I have a character who is hard of hearing, who prefers not to speak um, and uses sign language. And that is okay because a sign language is an official language of the country that they're in. Yeah. You know, one of the thoughts that, that I've had is uh, we see so many, so many uh, ableist attitudes 
in the world we live in, it's just it's just everywhere. It's the water that we swim in. Um, mm-hmm. In a in a story where we are depicting disability, having a character, an abled character, undergo the journey where they recognize the disability isn't the problem. The broken world around us is the problem. Um, that doesn't need to be the whole arc of the story, but that's the sort of beautiful thing that I feel like ablest people need to read more of. Yeah, it's more, I think it's more like, please don't think of us as an inspiration. Please just get your act together and build some ramps. Come on. Yeah. So I, there's there's an experience that I had when I was living, uh, or not living, I was uh, traveling and I was in... Um, uh, I was in Brisbane and I was thought, oh, I, I must be sharing the hotel with a medical conference because there's so many people in mobility devices. And and when I went out for lunch uh, around the hotel, it was just everywhere. I was like, well, it must be a bigger conference than I thought. They must be in multiple hotels. And then I realized when I was talking to um, a friend who who lives there, who's a double amputee, um, and he's like, no, no. It's just that Brisbane is a modern city. It wasn't built until the 80s, most of it. And so it was built with ramps. There there are older historic buildings that that don't, but most of it has ramps. And the reason that I was seeing more people with mobility devices wasn't because it was a larger population. It wasn't because there was a a, a medical conference. It's just because they could get around the city. And They've always been there. You just happen to be in a place where you can see them because now they get to go everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you know this is uh, this is a thing that I, I think about with with my own fiction. It's like, okay, well, which of my characters has a disability, and which of them are invisible disabilities that they don't share with other people? And which of them um, are ones that they, you know, that are visible, that they have to deal with other people's uh, reactions. Um, and and then also thinking about how that affects the way they move through the world. And for me, that, that, is, that is the piece, the nut and bolt, is, uh, is, is thinking about how it affects the way the character moves through the world, but not thinking of it as a plot point. Mm. I think one very important way of practicing this that I'm almost reluctant to bring up because it can go so horribly wrong, but, um, you know, so can everything. Um, but I mean, especially, especially in genre, especially in science fiction and fantasy, especially, um, there are opportunities to work with metaphor if only in practice. And a lot of the ways um, the, a lot of the ways that I worked up to addressing disability in my own work, um, I sort of like gradually acquired the courage to do it um, initially indirectly in sideways and metaphors and and writing about bodies and writing about different bodies moving through space. Like, okay, I'm going to write about aliens and wildly different aliens and just different bodies means different relationships to setting and surroundings and you know, if, if, if one of your characters is 20 feet tall, that changes a fair bit about the scene. Um, 
And none of these differences were coded as disability, but they all significantly affect the way the characters move through space and interact with their surroundings. Um, and it's just, um, I don't know what the experience was as a reader, but just as a writer, I found it as a first step. I found it very freeing towards a destigmatizing and, 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 and sapping the pejorative meaning out of um, certain kinds of embodied differences um, by making up new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, as a as a as a warm up towards um, writing about differences and and bodies and moving through space, often literally outer space, because it's great. Because I mean, you know, weight matters differently, and sometimes sign language is really important when no one can hear you because there's no air. Um, and so that yeah. was, yeah, that was a warm up for me. Yeah, that's that's great. What are some other ways that that people can um can depict disability in in ways that are um you know, uh good representation but but also good storytelling? I mean, I would argue that good representation is good storytelling, so I should probably mm-hmm. rephrase that question, but <laughs> I, the challenge for me is that um, and I'm going to come, I'm a cartoonist. And one of the things that, one of the things that my people, the cartoonists hate above all things is the crowd scene. Um, if I'm drawing a crowd scene, the fastest way to do it is uniform little head ovals and some silhouette lines that indicate that there is a crowd. And, and if I nudge some of the ovals up and some of the ovals down, I can show that there is a height difference. What I have not done is depicted the, the parting of the crowd that will occur if there's someone with a mobility device or if there's someone holding children because I'm a lazy cartoonist. Sorry, that's, that's an oxymoron. No, that's redundant. <laughs> um, it's we hate drawing crowd scenes for this exact reason. If you want to populate it and have it be realistic, you have to populate it with a realistic diversity of people. It's hard to draw. So doing it right means for artists looking at photographs of places where it is done right where everybody is out. You're looking at photographs of Brisbane and and looking at what a crowd looks like there and rewiring my mental map so that I have a scribbly shorthand that says, this crowd includes people in mobility devices. It includes tall people and short people and whatever. It's a, it's a broad crowd. Um, in prose... I don't know what that looks like because the moment you wrap words around a description of who is in the crowd, you call our attention to them in ways that the background scribbles don't. And so 
And so I'm answering the question with another question. I want to be diverse in the population that I put in the book, but I don't want to inappropriately call attention to something. I say inappropriately. I don't want to accidentally make a promise to the reader that this story is going to be about the fact that there's a person in the wheelchair in the background. And and I think that a lot of times those promises are implicit and and promises that the reader brings with them, and you can just like not worry about it. Like I I, um, I have a story that I will tell about an editorial note, uh, and I will tell that in a later episode. Um, right now, I think we should probably go ahead and wrap up. Um, <laughs> For those of you who are paying attention, you may have noticed that Fran has not been with us for the back part of this episode. Um, the computer kicked her out and she hasn't been able to get back in at all. Um, so the internet is, uh, is its own environment. <laughs> and, um, and presenting its own challenges. So we're going to go ahead and go on to our homework assignment, uh, which Chelsea has for us. Hello, I have homework for you. What I want you to do is I want you to write a scene with two characters. One person has a disability and the other person does not. And what I want you to do is I want you to write that scene from each character's POV, paying particular attention to the setting. That sounds great. So you are out of excuses. Now go write. For this episode of Writing Excuses, your hosts were Will Alexander, Fran Wilde, C.L. Polk, Howard Taylor, and Mary Robinette Kowal. It was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. For more, check out writingexcuses.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.